Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday. And what we do when we gather is we continue to address the issues between food producers and the food consumers. Hank Vogler, White Pine County, Nevada. You're going to have no way to relate to this story that I'm about to share with you. Has, what? Has, well, it what, has. What time you got? What time you got? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, ah. yeah. Never mind. Let's put my story on hold because Hank's got to have a, a five minute rant about cutting and one hour off at the end of a day, putting it on the beginning of a day, and then six months later, cutting in end of the hour off, putting it on the back of the day, and somehow thinking we're making progress. What else do you have to say about that? Uh, it just shows how feckless the entire Congress has become. This was proposed in World War One to save fuel, and I'm not even sure what the rationale was then. And Twice a year, the federal government, who are uh, afraid to do anything, they might have one constituent that might vote for somebody else or not go to the polls. Uh, they continue. All the statistics point to higher suicide rates, higher car wrecks, higher heart attacks, higher just everything is just gunny bags, but they still do it. So <clears throat> they check us twice a year to see if we are still <clears throat> lemmings. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> I have decided to throw it in. I think every human in the United States of America, legal or illegal, should check in at the post office. We were all supposed to get a COVID shot. Okay, let's all get a chip in our ear so they can track every move movement of every human in the United States. And then maybe uh, we'll have freedom. Boo. This is just, it's ridiculous. Okay, I'm through. <laughs> you know, um, apparently it was 1966. They tried. Oh, you're right. During World War One, they tried to use it for a period of time. And it was inconsistent use here and there. But then in 1966, the federal standard was established. The same year I came to Earth is the year that they decided that this would be a permanent place. It's your fault. Wait a oh, minute. Whoa, no. whoa, whoa. I knew there whoa. was a connection. <laughs> I, I completely misspoke. <laughs> I made it sound like I came to Earth like Jesus or something. The year I was born, the year I was conceived, oh. I didn't just come to Earth. I didn't okay. ascend to Earth. Okay, I don't want to clarify that. Okay, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, uh, you're done now. That was only yep, three minutes, twenty seconds. Well, I'll get over it if you will. So, you know, this whole idea of rewilding America, which is going to be interesting for what you have taking place on the public land in the West with solar panels. There's nothing wild about the ridiculousness of the dangers of solar panels and wind turbines on the federal land. But there's this concept to rewild America that man has been the problem and we're going to get rid of man. 
Well, on the wildlife refuge in Valentine, Nebraska, not in Valentine, it's south of Valentine, about 15 miles. It's uh, Cherry County, the wildlife refuge. By the way, we are 2% of the state of Nebraska is owned by state or federal government, which ranks us 45th in the nation in terms of how much land is owned. So we're very low. And yet the federal government's the number one landowner in Nebraska. So a friend of mine called me and said, Trent, you're not going to believe this. At the Wildlife Refuge in Cherry County, where we had an incentive to put in shelter belts in the 50s and the 60s, and we built, we put in places where we would put cedar trees in a, in a formation, which created a, an environment to protect wildlife, to protect domesticated animals, all of these other things that we did to make life better for animals on the Wildlife Refuge. They currently have contracted with someone to remove all cedar trees, including the shelter belts, because they want to rewild the refuge. Oh, boy. Uh, it gets better. Funny. <clears throat> it gets better. Oh. oh. <laughs> and this is something that you should address as a White Pine County Commissioner. If you or I, owned the wildlife refuge south of Valentine in Cherry County, our property tax on assessed value would be $350,000 a year paid into the Cherry County clerk. That's how it works, right? Well, it'd be more than that. I mean, by the time the people that would be working for you would be paying taxes, you'd be buying things at the grocery store, at the hardware yeah, store. Yeah, yeah, that's the economic benefit. But just to the just just from a property tax standpoint to the county government, the payment for the land that the federal government has would be three hundred fifty thousand dollars. In twenty twenty two, they paid thirty nine thousand dollars to Cherry County. You want to talk about? Well, destroying local governments. I know you know nothing about federal land and public land who, who destroy counting governments, but I want to bring you up to speed. That's why I want to walk you through this. I mean, it's not like you're a White Pine County commissioner or anything. Well, <clears throat> thank you very much. Uh, I basically got my start as uh, what the heck is going on back a long time ago when the old refuge manager of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge, which my grandfather was not very fond of because Mr. Scharf could raise wildlife, the flying kind, the migrating kind. They would go into his grain field and, and just mow it down. Uh, they, you always, when you went to your combine in the morning, you opened up the panel that went to your Jackson feeder because Boy, I'll tell you what, there'd be a duck in there. You'd have a pureed duck on, on your shaker screens and nothing would go through. So you'd be in there wiping it off for an hour. <laughs> I'm so, yeah. I mean, uh, they weren't exactly friends. 62 different ranchers had the opportunity to use that refuge part of the year. They starved that lake for water. They did everything in the world to raise wildlife and it was unbelievable. You could go through there and see 15 buck deer that were head rockers that I mean, just monsters. You could see puddles of, uh, not puddles, ponds of water that had so many ducks on it. You couldn't see the water until they all got up. Everywhere you looked, there was wildlife, but there was no predators. 
I mean, it was just, but man did it. You got it. Man, man did it, so it was wrong. Now, I think there's 19 people left, and they can't go in there and hay till it's nothing but chaff. Uh, the The wildlife has basically moved to private land or stayed on the Columbia River because it no longer freezes with the dams on the Columbia and with all the agriculture there. I mean, they ruined one of the crown jewels of the Pacific Flyway, and nobody was held accountable. I, If I don't do things right, the banker comes out and says, Henry, bring your dolls and dishes to town. The more they screw up, the, the higher the ranking they get. Mm -hmm. the, right here in White Pine County, they wound up with the 3C Ranch. They even had an elk viewing area the BLM put in so in the Tamberlane allotment so people could view the elk. Well, when the 3Cs turned over to U.S. US Nevada Wildlife, they're gone. The elk are gone. They, they don't come in there anymore. We have a band of sheep not too far from the first time there's been sheep there in years. I just got it put together this year. And guess what? We're getting four and five coyotes every three days. And where are they coming from? Huh, guess what? No sage grouse, no nothing. And it's downwind from Ely, Nevada. There is a potential of someday of a lightning strike and the moon and the stars line up that could burn half of Ely down. But oh well, now they want 5,000 more acres on the success loop. <clears throat> For what? For what? Everything they have touched, it's turned to crap. I am held to a standard private enterprise. I can raise more wildlife. Sage grouse should not be on the endangered species list. It should not even be on the threatened list. I hate to keep bringing sage grouse up, but right now we are putting grain out for the rams to get them ready for production for for when they're introduced into the use the first of december breeding can it's you not like say breeding dinner bell rang <laughs> uh, yeah it's like, it, and it's even like the, the federal government screwed rang. up selling sex they couldn't mu manage the mustang ranch properly either that's according to hank booger we're back with more roll out after this <laughs> I'm not sure this is the proper time to talk about pests, but but what, what we're going to do, because High Plains Apache, partnering with Simpson Farm Enterprises that control pests unlike anybody else in the business. And how can I say that? Everybody has innovation, everybody has reliability, but nobody has service that backs up the systems like Simpson Farm Enterprises and High Plains Apache. You want to put it to the test? Just call right now. Go to SimpsonFarmEquipment.com. I don't know, no, 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 no. SimpsonFarm.com. SimpsonFarm.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside Hank Vogler. I had to interrupt you. You're, I know you're on a roll, but, you know, still. And you don't know how many well, times I've only... used that, that you shared with me, that federal government can't even sell sex. They broke with the Mustang Ranch. Yeah. Well, and right right here, we're, we, we just brought the bucks in. Brought them in from where they summered. And it's like the dinner bell rang, Trent. The the ravens have showed up from from God only knows where. Well, I called the trapper and said, "Hey, you know we'll get toxidiosis. They crap in the water. They crap yeah. on the feed, and we got to do something." 
Well, guess what? There's a quota. We can only eliminate so many <clears throat> ravens a year. And we went over our quota last spring. Well, the quota isn't even enough to eliminate 5% of the ravens that have been identified in the state of Nevada. Well, they live to be about 50 years old. They absolutely, you cannot hide an egg from them. And, and nobody can understand when we took away predator control in the 70s, there's a direct correlation with the, proper, the population of deer, antelope, and everything that went in the crapper. Even when they introduced the elk, when they first introduced the elk right here where I'm at, it was, there were some here before that, but they brought in a bunch, slipped them in. Every one of those cows had a calf. Some of them even had two. I'd say there's a third of them had two calves. Now you jump out a bunch of elk. Not only have they trimmed up the mahogany trees to where the deer can't reach them, and they've pushed them off of the water and everything else, there's no calves. Or if there is any calves, there's one or two. The predators. We are a predator, and we want to destroy the human race. That's I, I give. I will no longer think that there's any validity to this other than somehow the elites think if they destroy all the mom and pops. Well, guess what? When your belly button's banging into your backbone, you'll pick up your pitchfork and your axe and you'll sharpen up the guillotine. And it's the elites that go to the guillotine. Read history. Read the history of the world. Eventually, people can't take it anymore. And these people are on a juggernaut to destroy everything. I mean, all in the name of what? The conservation, the, the Endangered Species Act, these are absolute total failures. This is about control. This is no different than the change in the time. This is no different than getting a COVID shot. This is no different than anything else that they've tried to do. This is about control, about elitism. And that's it. I mean, and if you don't get on board, uh, the train's going to leave the station and you're going to be standing alongside the track, starving to death. It, you see last week that New Zealand reported, they even reported it, that the mortality of New Zealand where they were 100% jabbed with the COVID toxic jab, they're 3,000%, 3,000% increase in mortality. That's unimaginable. I want you to, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I'm the old okay. guy in this deal, so this is your homework assignment. I needed to you work something to do today. Professor, go ahead. <laughs> okay. You find some success story in the environmental movement so, other than other than more no. rules and regulations, more bureaucrats. I'm not going to waste my time looking for that. That's a trick question. Okay. You get an A on the paper and you didn't even have to write it. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a thing. You, have you read the news? The big wind farms that they were on to put along the e East Coast? The people killing said, whales. we can't do it. It's They're killing not, whales. Not just killing whales. Not just killing the whales. It's not profitable. They, even with the subsidies, oh, they yeah, cannot the, the make The largest it work. wind developer in the United States from, I think it's Denmark, is going broke in the U.S. because they can't make it work. Yeah. And 
Uncle Harry's Cuisinart Farm is right down the street here. Uh, and and they they this is the rumor, they want to shut it down, but right down the street because the the power line comes through with the coal fired and the and the natural gas fired lines coming through from Wyoming and Delta and all that goes by there. They mm. want to take a thousand acres of beautiful winter range, spring range, and turn it in to a, a mirror not mirrors but the, the solar panels. They want 70,000 acres over on the Eureka County line for wind turbines. And and the, the amount of roads that they want to build, they got just to get, because those trailers to bring in just the blades are so long, they're going to have to rip open the sides of mountains, flatten the roads. I mean, it's just unbelievable. All for a government subsidy. All for a government. If there's not hey. enough wind on the New Jersey shore versus Newark Valley, I'll kiss your kazoo. Hey, kissing kazoos. Uh, have you ever driven from Oregon, Bend, Oregon? Oh, let's just give you a break. You ever driven from uh, Burns, Oregon, to Louisiana, Missouri? No. Did I tell you the story one time about the little kid that was going to walk home <laughs> to Louisiana, Shreveport? Okay, I said Louisiana, Missouri, but go ahead with Louisiana, uh, Miss Ira, Shreveport. Okay. What another wonderful government program, Lyndon Baines Johnson had the Job Corps. And they built a Job Corps out on the National Wildlife Refuge, which is now the Environmental Field Station. But I was in high school and it was a government job. Got to give you that. And I got $3.17 an hour, where I was only getting two and a half an hour when I worked straight time for Leroy Jackson. But out there, government job got paid. Me and Fermini Turbot. He's a Basco. And we're digging these holes. And I mean these holes to put cement in to hold the trailer houses down because the wind blew there all the time. Uh, I, the ground was harder than the back of God's head. And uh, they sent crews of kids over every day. They were job car kids. In fact, George Foreman, the boxer, he came over there one day. And when he hit the ground with that pick, it, it was like a 6.3 earthquake. Uh, I mean, it, but anyhow, one day they sent this young boy over and we we're having a break or they had a breakers lunchtime. And he says, I was, I was going, I was going to run away. I was going back to Louisiana. I want to sit in the shade of the magnolia trees and sip on the mint julep. And I said, well, how are you going to do that? Well, sir. I flew from Shreveport to Dallas-Fort Worth. I went from Dallas-Fort Worth, Boise, Idaho. Went from Boise, Idaho on the bus to Burns, Oakland. Took about an hour to get down here. So I figured I had about 18 hours tied up in that there deal. I figured if I'd take off yonder way, I could be home in three days. And I said, well, I sure take some water with me if I were you. <laughs> Uh, so, I I mean, that was another why work program that didn't work or whatever. I mean, it just it goes on and on and on. Yeah. And, and the only thing that came out of it is George Foreman got to fight Muhammad Ali, and Muhammad Ali said nobody ever hit him harder than that. And now he sells ovens or something, and it's a very wealthy man and, and is successful. So God love George Foreman. So back to my story. 
I was in Louisiana, Missouri, which for those that may not know, it's just up the Mississippi River about 60 miles from St. Louis. And there is a quarry there named the, the Wayne B. Smith Quarry, and they are hauling decommissioned wind turbine blades one at a time from Bend, Oregon to Louisiana, Missouri. Their intent is they hope to grind them up and make something out of them. But I looked it up. It's roughly 1,850 miles from Bend, Oregon to Louisiana, Missouri, and they're hauling those blades one at a time. Hank, the decommissioning of a wind turbine is $65,000. Well, and Bend, Oregon is where all the doctors and lawyers and, and uh, upper middle class folks, they live in Bend, Oregon. Oh, that's around. In fact, some of them out in those juniper forests, and then we're talking about juniper trees is bigger around than a 55-gallon barrel. Yeah. They built their houses around the tree rather than disturb the tree. And and I mean they are the they are the enviro enviros right there. Yeah, the, and they're, it, they're the fakes. Roll out second half yeah. just after this. We are fixing pun intended. We're gonna have all the fixings at the All American Beef Battalion feed that will take place at the National Western Denver, Colorado on January the sixth at noon, saying thank you to the veterans. It is during this fabulous bread female sale that, quite frankly, Jim Odell had the idea for. And so you need to make your way to Denver January 6th. This weekend is going to be that old feel of the commercial cattlemen back in the yards like I, we've been looking for and looking to get back. And we have it this year, 2024, nationalwestern.com. And don't forget about healthy living. Nitric oxide is a main component, maybe not the main component. It is the component of healthy living. I take a supplement every morning. No2u.com. No, number two, letter U.com. Put Trent as your coupon code. No shipping. Welcome back. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler. And uh, if I said in a public forum that I was trying like a Gomer Bull, how many people would actually get it, Hank Vogler? Shazam, maybe Gomer Pile. <laughs> <laughs> How is it that, you know, I noticed this when you're imitating your Cajun from Shreveport. Uh, you Shreveport. have the... <laughs> to my point, right there. You have the distinct ability to sound like a Basco, an American Indian, uh, a Cajun, a Russian, just, just like this. This is a talent that you should have harnessed and found a way to propel you into a success story. Well, yeah, but what about being county commissioner? That was, I thought, was quite a hat trick myself. I didn't, there's I didn't there's, no, there's no distinct dialect with a county commissioner. <laughs> you haven't been to a county commission meeting yet. <laughs> I, I have. I was just at one last Holy week. Grim. I haven't been to the White Pine <laughs> County Commissioner. Do you have a meeting this week? Uh, no. Oh, so you did Next all the damage week, last week. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be there. Where are you going so, elk hunting? Oh. Uh, by the way, oh, I, 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 if, if you're not going to be there, you better keep track of the agenda because I got an idea they'll have a bigger agenda with the week you're not there than they've ever had in the history of White Pine County. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, 
right back to what we talked about in the first half. Number one is the $350,000 that would have been paid in property taxes in Nebraska would have gone back to the governance plus the other revenue it would have generated with Correct. renewable natural resources and still would have protected wildlife. Yeah. Uh, it could have been a tax relief for the rest of the people because it would have spread the taxes out over more people that, that, you know, more property. So uh, I would rather think of it as a tax relief, but the whole thing of it is, is even my rant about the job core in Burns and, and I could go on for an hour on how much money I saw wasted during that. And I was a high school kid. I got paid extra money to, to be out there to participate. I wanted to go to college. So was I going to, was I going to complain? It's no different than what we have with subsidies. Who wants to complain? Who wants to, who wants to, the SNAP program and all the government buying of whether it's cheese or heck lambs or whatever they do. Well, that all, we all become part and parcel controlled by that even though we may complain about subsidies in a lot of ways we are being subsidized and so you know you hate to bite the hand that feeds you or partially feeds you and 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 that's that's how the program works everybody gets sucked into it i mean in burns oregon the the dentist they took those kids to the dentist and the dentist made a fortune they took them in and bought them clothes, not clothes for work clothes. They bought them suits and, and street shoes. I mean, everybody in town was hitting the home run. Uh, even the boxing. Uh, Homer Ritchie was George Foreman's boxing coach out there. And every Friday night they had a smoker. Well, they had to take George to Roseburg, I think, next because he, he'd only hit him once and that's the end of the program. Well, then he was going to quit boxing. Well, then they sent Homer down there. He had the secondhand store there in Burns, and and he and he I think he used to box or was a boxing coach in the Second World War. Anyhow, he went over and convinced George Foreman to stay with the boxing deal, and and then he went from there to Portland, and then of course the rest of it we know what happened. But I mean, everybody kind of got a little piece of the action. It's the same out here. One of the people that has a permit in one of the valleys. When they started talking about this, some of the people called me and were just irate at what they were going to do to the, the range that they were running their livestock on. One of them said, bring your checkbook. Okay, that's a short-term thing. Bring your checkbook. So you, you want to sell your soul for a few shiny coins? I, I don't get it. I, I, it's, it's not in me. I've been wanting to do what I'm doing right now since I was five years old. I don't remember wanting to do anything else. And I did everything on this earth to get something done in agriculture. And now I'm living my bucket list. My bucket list says I can get up in the morning and go do something and look around and maybe straighten out a fence or fix a gate or go look at the cows or the sheep. And, and that's my satisfaction right there in a nutshell. Well, and you want to trade that for some wilding of America? I, I, I got to tell you, twenty-four years I've been trying to be an advocate 
for agriculture and not agriculture, but the farmer per se, the farmer and the rancher. And it pains me, literally pains me, Hank, that I see every day a farmer more so. I can't put this on any rancher, so to speak, although I'm sure there's examples are willing to sell out their kids and their grandkids future for a payment. I have to tell you that last week when I was in Oklahoma, I actually, I did not meet the family, but I heard about a family that owns land near Enid, Oklahoma, that has a parcel of land that is vital for transmission of a, a ridiculous solar development by Enid, Oklahoma. And excuse me, in order for to get the, the solar captured electricity to where they need it, they have to go through this one parcel of land. They offered this family a million dollars to put an easement on their property to transfer this electricity. And the family said, no, our soul's not for sale. But the problem is that's becoming the exception instead of the rule. Left and right. I, I had a debate last week on the radio with a guy for 30 minutes. And all he wanted to talk about is we got to get this government subsidy. We, the, the ethanol thing is completely a disaster because all we care about is how can we get another government payment instead of just taking U.S. number two corn and producing energy and producing livestock feed and feeding the world. Instead, we're trying to figure out how to get the next payment from the government. We are the government. And you are selling your kids and your grandkids' future right now because you're willing to take a, a little stipend so that you can't say the eighth generation Vogler is going to take over this farm in Kasuth County, Iowa. I just use that hey, as an example. I saw that right here. Southern Nevada Water Authority with their pipe dream about putting a pipe and hauling water to Los Lages. Dean Baker had more adjudicated water rights than they bought for 60 some million dollars. He asked me what I thought. And the figure that they were offering him was enormous. And I said, well, Dean, and I was joking. He said it, I wouldn't have never done it. He said, I said, what? Well, I guess if somebody offered me that much money for my property, I'd be trying to decide whether I wanted to buy Kansas or Nebraska, meaning it's all deeded land, yeah. different government format, everything. Maybe that would be the, the right answer. He already got his head ripped off and they put in the Great Basin National Park and ran his cows off, even though Harry Reid himself said, <clears throat> we'll grandfather these cows in. Well, then they harassed him till he threw it in and they bought him out. So, yeah, I don't get it. I never will get it. I never will get uh, my own family uh, what they could have done had they have held together what my grandfather and grandmother put together. But it, to them, it was a millstone around their neck. They never saw once that it had any value other than just hard work, which seems to me a little strange. But anyhow, yeah. But selling your soul for a few shiny coins. And that's what we're doing. You know, I, I cannot believe that, that Warren Buffett 
because everything is dependent on all these projects with electricity out here, dependent on Nevada Energy, which is dependent on Warren Buffett. He owns it. And I can't believe the old Warren woke up one morning in Lincoln, Nebraska, or wherever he Omaha. lives, in Omaha, and says, you know, I think we ought to all go out to White Pine County and, and put in all these solar panels and put in all these wind farms and everything. Because we'll we'll get subsidized or whatever. Or No, the snake oil salesman did it. Yeah. Whether it's the hole-in-the-wall gang that wants to pump the water up the hill and then pour it down the hole. All of that stuff. That's the government is to be green, to be going yeah. green away from fossil fuels. You, you, you know what, what else? And this this facade of a green energy thing is very dependent upon water. It's extremely dependent upon an accelerated amount of water. And now you see over the weekend there was a story about a Kansas town does not have enough water. They're out of water, and everybody's going to blame climate change when, in fact, it's the nonsense that we've been led into with this fake green energy. What do they? What would they use water in the? I know they Cooling use a bunch the of oil in those windmills. Yeah, but every time that you capture, let's just say on the carbon capture or anything that they're doing, and supposedly green, it takes an, a tremendous, even just an ethanol plant, uses a tremendous amount of water. Now, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that we have the same amount of water that we had on the planet when Jesus walked the planet, but where that water is at and who's getting access to it, therein lies the problem. And in Northeast South Dakota right now, they have a serious water problem, and they have people in, in the pipeline business submitting for uh, water rights, which they should not have access to. Every bit of this is requiring a tremendous amount of water. And it's quite simply to take the allocated water away from the people who are relying on it from a groundwater standpoint. And it's going to individuals who do not have your and my best interest at heart. We'll pick it up that when we get back with more. For everybody who thought that bringing Hank every week and talking about these public land issues, we now realize, most of us anyway, that it doesn't matter whether it's deeded or public land, your rights are eroding. More Rora after this. Let's talk about genetics. In this case, it's bovine genetics. Yeah, I'm talking about Red Angus cattle at Cross Diamond. Scott and Kim Ford are anxious about their sale now just four weeks away. How does this time fly by? December the 10th will be the customer appreciation feed. I don't know. Is there a speaker? I should know that. I'll find out. But what I do know is there's going to be a tremendous selection of bulls and 430 bred females, all Red Angus origination, Red Angus influence. Red Angus bulls are purebred, by the way. And uh, the females are available. Now, people I talk to that get these females, and some of them come into the certified Piedmontese system. You know, they use Piedmontese sires on these cows, and they work tremendous. They work in all environments. They just do a fabulous job. It's CrossDiamondCattle.com. See you December 11. Welcome back. Nuclear takes a lot of water, too, I guess, Hank. I realize there's an the X amount of panels? What about them? Well, some guy at the last county commission meeting showed up, and he did his homework, uh, he uh, said that they had a solar farm somewhere that they had sheep under it. And so they were in the sheep business. And then he, and then he said, and now I know that Mr. Vogler has 
way more sheep than, than we do or something, which I don't know if that was supposed to be cute or not, but they want to put in several, I, I, over a thousand acres of solar panels around the airport, or, which I don't know, the reflection off of the sun, but they want water rights. What, what did they have to do with uh, solar panels? Do they have to wash them all the time? It's estimated that the solar system will use 800 gallons per megawatt hour, the same as a nuclear facility, in order to make them work. Well, okay, I've got two. So, uh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have some solar panels up here right next to an electrical power line that runs my, a well for me. And there, there's no water hookup to it at all that I know of. So I, I, I can't. See, I'm that, having trouble drawing the parallel. This is where I'll have to get the details and get back to you, Commissioner, on that. This is where it gets really wonky for me because we have windmills still watering cows. As I sit here speak, I can take you to a windmill that's watering cows at my place. And that works fantastic. It's worked fantastic since the pioneering days. But everybody who's using a windmill knows that you have to have some sort of a backup. Either you haul water to that tank or you, I saw seven tanks on one windmill this week where they were stair step because the water wind doesn't always blow. And solar is the same way. I use solar for powering my electric chargers. I'm looking at getting a solar system for my water pump and so that I have it. But the problem comes in when you capture the energy here, you can't hold it. And it's a use it or lose it concept. And it has to go somewhere at every minute or it's gone. And that is, and so when you start putting it in a transfer line and you start transferring it around, it just doesn't efficiently work. No, this is this is totally just because <clears throat> of the convenience of pumping the water. But I will say this: the people who manufactured the instruments that's on that solar panel, there's a plug in there for a generator, in case you need more water than the sun will provide, because it's not battery backed up or anything. So you know they have that contingency already hooked into it. You can hook up a gas powered generator or a diesel powered generator into those solar panels if you need to pump more water than the sun will provide. So far, with the overflow reservoir, uh, more water, we've had bands of sheep go through there, and it it works just absolutely. I mean, it's handy. So that part of it. And <clears throat> the old cowboy town, uh, it had a wind deal with jet, with uh with the batteries so yeah it's not it's not new technology uh it's just better salesmen we got yeah it, it is we it is better snake oil, snake oil salesmen. salesmen so desert center california this <laughs> is from inside climate news and again i'm going to do the in-depth study on this but this looks to make sense to me local wells in the area have gone dry since the construction of multiple utility scale solar projects near desert center california Threatening the only water source for hundreds of people and a handful of local businesses, solar farms typically don't use much water when operating, but during the construction, the law requires developers to mitigate dust and other challenges that water is required, and they are causing these issues all across the country. I've been to Desert Center. I have friends that go there in the wintertime from Burns, Oregon, and let me tell you, 
uh, I believe that if you had a little stand alongside the road selling bottled water, you'd be a gozillionaire in about an hour. <laughs> it's a dry, and, but they, they do have a little golf course there. I think it's like oh, oh, five or six, maybe uh, nine uh, holes. But I'm sure they use I water too. So I haven't been there for a long time, but it's it's just out in the middle of nowhere, piece of private land. Great place to warehouse old people, it looked like to me. <laughs> I mean, they can't hurt nothing. And and then when you drive west of there, you run into wind farms on the mountains. You know, there's there's probably places that are useful, but the government subsidy is so challenging, so so makes people want to do something, they're jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. And 20 years from now, somebody's going to have to clean the mess up. That's what I'm saying. It, you know, short-term gain. The old Chinese proverb, plant rice. Medium-term gain, plant trees. Long-term gain, educate your children. That's what we're dealing with. We're once again leaving all these debts and burdens on the grandkids, and they're not going to like you. You're, they're, they're not going to be putting any statues up for so, uh, you know, <laughs> well, they melt them down now if they put them up. But I mean, it's just, we are trading our future for a few shiny coins. And just like the, we bring in lamb from New Zealand, from Australia, uh, three or 400% than we used to. Our, our lands are catching on fire. Our timber is burning down. All our natural resources, uh, the salmon's gills are full of soot from the, I mean, the, from the runoff from the fires. But suppose, I mean, just everything about the environmental movement has been to control you, me, and the great unwashed. It has nothing to do with protecting anything. Have you heard this repeated rhetoric in the last couple of months? It's been out there for a long time, but in the last couple of months, I'm hearing somebody say it every week. And I thought of it when you said Desert Center was a nice place to warehouse senior citizens. There are plenty of people talking about 80-year-olds really serve no purpose anymore. We just need to get rid of them. And in case you missed it, Canada is on March, I believe it's 24th, 2024, putting in place a law that says that if you're deemed mentally challenged, they can put you down, like culling the herd. <laughs> and, oh, and who gets to make that determination? You and I would probably go to the head of the line just for making comments well, that aren't politically correct. Yeah, well, you're closer <laughs> to 80 than I am, I'm just saying. Uh, no, I yeah, and maybe when I'm eighty, maybe I would desire that if I was puking out my de teeth in a bowl of mush with wearing a diaper in some nursing home and not knowing who I am. I'm not so sure that's quality of life. It's but not. yeah, who gets? I know who it's not. To decide? I think Adolf Hitler did that, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and Stalin, and Mao, yeah, and Lenin, well, Mussolini. The list goes on. Oh wait, they did. They yeah. thought that th people that were thirty years old and didn't have a future were worthy of extending, ex exterminating as well. Well, if we're going to do eighty-year-olds, what about seventy-four-year-olds? Let's get them too. You know, let's clean this deal up. Work your way down the down the totem. You know, I mean, worthless I, eaters. I think, I think that was the term they were phrased: worthless eaters. Well, uh, I think we should get the Antarcticans first because I don't like them. <laughs> um, uh, if there's anybody <laughs> 
I think John Kerry I'm lives there. Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> if he'll stay there and shut his mouth, I okay, I'll leave him alone. There's some soiree that happens in Antarctica all the time. I don't know why Antarctica is so important, but that's where they go as a retreat. Really? Well, I know one of their uh, climate change global warming ships got locked in the ice and it took them about six or eight months to get it out. I thought that was pretty hooty. So anyhow, yeah. No. I'll be darned. I knew there were some weather stations down there and stuff no, like that. No, there's but. some, uh, <laughs> some underground, pun intended, underground community in Antarctica. And you'll once in a while, even like the Pope and people will just all of a sudden disappear for a week to Antarctica. It's like, what what's really going on down there? Ah, well, uh, maybe maybe that feller from Shreveport, Louisiana, showed how to get home. So if he thought three days. Uh, Harney County, Oregon, was cold, I'm guessing he's not going to Antarctica. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't cold. There was just nothing there. The no, no magnolia trees, no mint juleps, or something. Yeah, well, but he did know the direction. He did know the southeast of Burns, hey, Oregon. I got to tell you, in his favor, two times I've been successful in hitchhiking to speaking engagements and been able to pull it off. So I think he could have pulled it off. Very well could have. I never and saw one of him them again. was this year. <laughs> so, oh, when your truck broke down. Yes, yeah, I imagine ab that worked. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, a minute and a half. What are we going to take home today? Uh, words of wisdom? Yes. I need some words of wisdom. Uh, okay, Trent. Now you pay close attention to this because Kelly will be on top of this deal. Never, ever ask your wife what's for dinner when she's mowing the lawn. That <laughs> <It> doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and when, pray tell, was the last time your wife mowed the lawn? You don't have a lawn. <laughs> That's why I don't have a lawn because <laughs> I've got crappy neighbors. I'm afraid the house would burn down. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, that'll do it. Just we, cook your own. <laughs> cook your own eggs. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> I gotta. I think I'm gonna make a bumper sticker. Never ask your wife what's for dinner when she's mowing the lawn. <laughs> oh, both of us remind you all roads do lead, they roll out. Oh, my goodness. Big happenings today at the Iowa Utilities Board. I'll have more information about this. The Iowa T Utilities Board is seeking information on whether or not to permit the Summit CO2 pipeline in the state of Iowa. A landowner has a health issue from Woodbury County, Iowa. This is an instrumental county in the whole fight. And they have designated former Representative Steve King to represent them in front of the Iowa Utilities Board. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But folks, particularly those of you listening in Northeast Colorado, Wyoming, Western Nebraska, I've just really zeroed in on this past week. Tall, tall grass energy is converting a natural gas pipeline, 36-inch natural gas pipeline, into a CO2 pipeline and sending it from Nebraska ethanol plants to dump it in Wyoming in the Dundee-Julesburg formation area. Folks, this cannot happen.
I will not let that happen. Free Soil Coalition is your best partner. Go to freesoilcoalition.com, stay abreast of the issues, and feed me anything you think might be a benefit. Trent Luce at gmail.com, freesoilcoalition.com.